Luke 22, verse 31 and 32. I want to tell you this. Uh, God's got your number today. Like, I really believe you came here, um, you know, whether you came kicking or screaming or not, I believe that you're going to leave challenged uh, at least, preferably changed. Amen? And so God let it go like a knife to our hearts in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Before I even read it, you know, I want to challenge you. One of the, if not the main purpose of why we have a church is to win the lost. When I started Deliverance Bible Church in 1999, that was the the pressure on my heart is that god we've got to win souls we've got to win souls i remember at, at the second year anniversary we used to have an anniversary almost every year and do, do something and i remember on the second anniversary and uh some people you know church in church in america is the most flippant group of people on the planet uh because if you don't like the flavor you go to another ba- you know uh, baskin robbins and try another uh you, you do what you know if you don't like the church you like it, you love it, you hate it, you, you loathe it. Uh, but one thing that I remember at the second anniversary, we had a group of people, and I, I preached on the Antichrist spirit, actually, about how the Antichrist has a, is a spirit that works according to, to the book of John and Second John, First Second John, uh, that the spirit of the Antichrist that now is, that works among people, uh, it's not the Antichrist, but it's a spirit. It actually causes people to make false commitments. It causes people to, you know, serve the Lord for a while. But as John says, if they were of us, they would have stayed among us. And uh, I know church is not Jesus, but going to church and being committed to a local church many times reveals your commitment to Jesus. Uh, it, can, it can many times, your, your, your willingness to commit to the things of God will many times, if not almost every time, declare your commitment to him himself. And so uh, the local church and your activity there really does testify to heaven and testify to earth of where you are with your walk with the Lord. Uh, I didn't say a commitment to a system, a commitment to gathering, a commitment to serving, a commitment to the vision that God gives a particular house. And so I remember at the second anniversary, I was preaching on the Antichrist spirit. I don't know why I picked that day to do it. Uh, but it's interesting because it's on the same page. My notes are actually written right here. But it was, a, it was a sermon titled, Hosanna to Crucify. And it was the picture of how in one week's time, the people literally laid their lives down before Jesus. And they said, here comes the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, uh, the son of David. And they laid palm branches before him as he came in. And they, they honored him. And, and they cried out to such an extent that the religious people said you know, to Jesus, stop these people. They're blasphemy. He says, man, if they don't cry out, the rocks will cry out. And there was this explosion of acceptance of Jesus. Uh, and within one week, the same people are standing before Christ as he's you know, about to be beaten and and they're saying, no, like, like crucify him. And their, their commitment went from Hosanna, which literally is like, save us, you're so beautiful, you've come for us, to a week later saying, who do you think you are? And so many times we cast that same feeling upon local churches. It's very constant, it's very continual that uh, a, a normal American, especially Texan Christian, will go through each church and have a tale to tell about each one. And they'll walk through the door and say, oh, here's what I've been looking for. Oh, I love the preaching. Oh, I got every CD that Pastor Cleus ever preached. I, I'm giving them out to my friends. I'm handing out invitations. I'm giving the gospel now. I'm doing missions. And then one day comes that uh, the usher isn't nice to you because you don't know what he's going through. But maybe he wasn't doing very, very well that day. Or the pastor preached on the one thing that you said you'd never agree with or whatever it is. And you go from love and commitment to escapism. And well, good, that was what I needed. So now I, now I get to go to the next place. And, and it's just a way to, uh, it's actually a way to keep yourself in a constant backslidden state. 
It's an excuse, and it's an excuse because most people leave churches uh, much less because the carpet color changed, uh, much more because they were confronted with something they didn't want to talk about, they didn't want to deal with. I remember when we preached the gospel for every, every single meeting for over two years, uh, maybe even three years when I go back, starting in 2007. I think it was almost three years. Every single meeting we preached the gospel from every text that we could get to, uh, telling people to repent and turn to Christ in faith. And we did it over and over to where people that went to this church for years who had been very committed that were honest had these breakdowns. I, I can still remember two of our pastors saying, I think I finally got born again, you know. Like, and they were serious. They were like, no, for real. I've been even serving here, and I finally had the breakthrough. Then you had other people that were like, resistant, resistant. I held it together for about two years of like, you're not going to tell me I'm not born again. You're not going to tell me I'm not born again. Instead of, instead of breaking. And it was like, they had never been confronted. And finally, they got to the final confrontation. They're like, that's it. I, find, I found a loophole, you know. And so I don't agree with that thing, so now I get to bail. And all it is, it's a, con- it's a way of keeping ourselves uh, comfortably backslidden while consistently declaring our goodness. Because it's not our fault, it's the church's fault. See, my kids are going to hell because of that church. See, see, my, my family's busted up because of that church. See, we went there for counseling, and they couldn't fix me and my husband. Are you with me? And, and, so, and so now my family's all wrecked because of that church. My, my, my husband's on drugs again because of that church. See, they didn't, they didn't reach out. They didn't call me on. See, we told them to pray, but they, their prayers didn't work. So see, it's their fault. So now we have a good reason to go to the next church. And dump all our problems there. And if they can't fix it, well, then it's their, it's their fault now. It's like Hosanna on, on, on this day and crucify just a few days later. Are you hearing me? Jesus, we love you, but, you know, we didn't know you were going to get political on us. So we didn't know you were going to challenge us beyond healing my brother's blind eyes. We didn't know. We didn't know you were going to require commitment that cost our lives. We didn't know about that. And so who do you think you are anyways coming into town and doing great things and then didn't, you know, fulfill what we wanted out of you? And, uh, you know, even John F. Kennedy was smart enough to say it's not what your country can do for you. All right, come on. But ask yourself, amen, ask yourself what you can do for your country. It's the same thing. So many of us are like, well, what can this church do for me? Instead of, well, God, if you want me there, what can I do for this church? What can I do? What can I do to serve? What can I do to help? What can I do to, what can I pray for? How can I, how can I serve? Uh, I, I remember uh, a friend of mine moved away and, and he said, I can't find you good churches. I said, nobody asked you to find a good church. Go to the church God told you to go to. He said, well, I believe God's telling me to go to a Baptist church. I go, then go to the Baptist church. He goes, yeah, but, but they don't believe in the Holy Spirit like we do. I said, who cares? He goes, well, are you saying I should go there and try to minister to them? I said, no, I'm telling you to go there and shut up and sit down. Because if God's telling you to go there, they must know something that you, even though you think you know, you don't know. A week later, he's like, I can't go to the Baptist church. Did God tell you to go? Yeah, I believe God's telling me to go there. I said, well, then make a choice. Either obey God or not. Are you hearing me? Either obey God or not. Either do it or don't. But don't keep trying to find a loophole so you don't have to do what God's asking you to do. Amen. Hallelujah. So I say all that to say uh, we, we need to take on a perspective of, again. Of, no, no, no. I guess God, it's not my preference. It's what is your preference? What do you, come on, let's, let's stop being a backslidden, sleepy church. This hope in, this hope in our, our problems will be solved without having to use our own personal faith. Uh, come on, are you hearing me? Man, I've been in church my whole life, so this, isn't, this is not a game to me, okay? But I've seen the game of, of Christianity. I, I, not, not Jesus, Christianity. Uh, churchianity, uh, of religious duty. And I've seen it. I know it. 
I, I, I know when a church is turning that way. I know when people are becoming religious and traditional and going through motions. And you, you just take it. You went from one set of motions to a new set of, of, of motions. It's, it's, you can be Pentecostal or Baptist. You can fake them both. You, come on, you can be a, you can be a, a fake of a missionary. You can be a fake, are you hearing me? You can be a fake of a preacher. You can be a fake of a family. And I know when a church is going the wrong direction. And I declare to you, we're going the wrong direction. Are you hearing me? I de- oh, I got two amens. I declare we're going the wrong direction. And we need to wake up. We need to wake up. I, 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 I easily, I easily, man, my God in heaven, thank you, Lord. I can easily stop something that he told me to start. Are you with me? It's, it's, it's not, if I'm like, God, we're going the wrong direction. It's like, well, then close the doors and start over. Amen. Like, I know God. I know how, I know what he wants. I know, are you hearing me? I know when he has a plan. And so I'm saying, God, we, if we're going to keep doing this, we have to get on the right path. We have to get on the right track again. Come on, let me just offend you today and to wake you up. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, God, for preachers that tell us the truth. Hallelujah. So I put this before you, and it should matter. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. That word sift is a special word. I like to look up. I like to know what's written. I like to get a little deeper. That word sift is interesting because it means to shake, like, in, like to put something in a bag and shake it. And the picture, it's the only time it's used in the New Testament. But it's actually meaning to shake you up, to prove something, to expose something, to, to find what you're made of, to, to test. It's a test. It, it's, to, it's to put you through something that sees how it's a Job calling. It's, it's God, uh, it's, it's Satan coming for God and saying, well, what's new? You know, and, and uh, this, it's getting a little boring down here. And God says, well, I tell you what, have you seen my, have you seen my brother Job? Have you seen, have you seen him? And Satan's like, oh, well, you know, Job, he's so blessed that, you know, you're, you're giving him stuff for free. And, and he, he, if you let go of him, man, he would curse you to your face. And God's like, really? Because I know something about Job. I know something about Job that if he lost everything, he would never curse me to my face. Because I know something you don't know about Job. He's committed. Are you hearing me? Well, wait, come on. The devil is talking to God about you. Uh, you know, what, what's, there's nothing to do around here. You're protecting all your people. It's like they have a wall of fire around them. Give me, give me something to work with. And God said, well, have you seen my... Oh, no, not them. Man, I knew I had some people someplace. Does your name come up on God's lips? Come on. Does your name come up on God's lips? Does he know you? Come on. Jesus said there'll be all kinds of people that said they knew him. But he'll say, whoa, whoa, whoa. But did I know you? Come on, did you come to me like I told you to come to me? Or did you come to me how you want? See, because I don't do it like you want to do it. My ways are higher. My thoughts are greater. Come on. Come on, does your, does your name come up on the lips of God? What do you, what do you say? Uh, have you seen my servant, Adam? And, and, and have you seen my servant, Max? Have you seen my servant, Nicole? And would the devil be like, oh, come on. Like, that's totally not fair. Because, you know, if you, if you took your hand off Adam, man, I tell man, no. You, you, God says, well, really, because I know something about him. I know something about him, that if you took everything from him, he would never curse me to my, come on, are you, are you, because he's committed. Do you have that kind of testimony? Let me say this. If you don't have that kind of testimony, uh, you don't have a testimony with God. Like if you don't have that kind of testimony, you don't have a testimony with God. Are you hearing this? See, because I learned something a long time ago. I, it has to be grace. It has to be God. Because uh, the one thing I can't seem to do is quit. Oh, I know how to, I know how to mess it up. I know how to I know how to just oh there it went. I messed that one. I know I know all that, but I just can't bring myself to quit. Yeah. 
Come on, it's, it's a deposit. It's like a, it's a guarantee of the Holy Spirit's been dropped in my spirit that, that when it all fails, I'm like, but we can't quit. I didn't say it's going to look pretty or everybody's going to like it or it's going to look like success, but I'm telling you at the end of the day, I'm like, I just don't have the quit button. I told you that before. I just, and, you, and, and so does your name, would, would God, would God say, oh, check them out because you could take everything from them and they would still be faithful to me. Remember Job's wife? She was like holy. Like she was like, I'm married to Job. I, I'm in because I'm married to Job. I'm married to Job. Hey, so how's your relationship with God? I'm married to Job. So how are you and the Lord doing? I'm married to Job. So you believe in God? I'm married to Job. Then Job loses everything. She's like, I tell you what you should do, Job. You should just turn to God, curse him to his face and just die. And then he went, whoa, you're not who I thought you were. And that's when God says, yeah, I didn't mention your wife's name when I brought it up before the devil. See, some of us think that we're making it because we know somebody. We think that we're in the right place because, you know, we're members of a local church. We go to the prayer meeting. We think we're making it. We think we're making and, and And you don't realize that it's so easy to fall into a mess because the devil literally is standing before. It says that he has 24-7 accusation. In the book of Revelation, it says that he has like a house of prayer almost before God where he's like accusing the brethren. 24-7, night and day, he accuses you. He accuses you before God. Why would he do that? Because he's trying to get action with you. Are you, are you hearing me? He's trying, to get, he's trying to get a voice with you. He's trying to, he's trying to, and this is, sounds so strange sometimes, but God is actually trying to get an audience with God so God will let him have an audience with you. Let me just mess with your, your theology, but it's in the Bible. That the devil is constantly standing before God and goes, I know what Max did. I know who Max is. I'm going to tell you another thing about Max. God, you think he's so holy, but I'll tell you another thing. And he's waiting for God to see such a commitment in Max. Watch this, that God finally goes, Fine, check him out. The devil's like, oh, now, now it's going to go down. And we don't realize that even when you go through trials, it produces joy and perseverance. Literally, when you get cursed, you get blessed. Come on, when you get pressured, you get freedom. You, you actually find, I'm not saying that it's God's will. To, I'm telling you, it's the devil's will. But God will sometimes allow you to go through some stuff to see what you're made of. Come on, I, I believe it's, I don't want to quote the scripture because I'll have it wrong, but it says if you faint, in the, it's in Proverbs. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. If you faint in the day of adversity, come on, it's easy. It's easy. It's easy to be high when it's high. Come on, it's, it's easy to be, it's easy to be great when everything's great. But there's, there's some people that don't know how to quit when everything is bad. When everyone around you is saying, let's just quit this mess. Like, why are we still trying to win souls? Why are we still trying to do missions? Why are we still meeting at this church? What are we doing? Like, like, let's just quit this mess. You have brothers, you have sisters, you have friends, you have family. They're like, why are you still doing that? I mean, you used to say it was going to produce something. Man, look at your life. It's like the devil going, he's just putting pressure on you to see what you're made of. But I've sat at tables. I've sat at tables where everybody is definitely not in agreement with how you live. And they have invited you over for such a time as this to, uh, you know, to bring some, bring some thoughts before you. Well, well do you think that, uh, I, I love this one. So you think that preaching will take care of my daughter? I didn't say, oh, I was at, I was my fa- her family's house. That's right. Uh, no, but think about it. So you, think, so you think that you're a missionary now? So you think, so you don't think your kids should be like, you know, they, their, their dad doesn't need like a real job? Like, uh. Like, is that the example you're giving them? 
So, so you think you're just going to make it on love? Is that so, um, so you're still doing that preaching thing, right? So are you guys doing okay? Like, I mean, are you still, you're making, you're, I guess you guys are still kind of like hanging in there? Are you with me? And you know that you're in that spot. And that's those moments that decide, well, who am I anyways? It doesn't mean I have to be rude. Sometimes I find out who I am by shutting up. And then sometimes I find out who I am by saying something. And sometimes I find out who I am by walking out. And sometimes I find out who I am by staying. And some, come on. And sometimes I find out who I am by listening to my own children tell my own testimony. Sometimes I find, are you with me? Sometimes I find, those, those moments prove something. Come on. If you're silver, you can go through the fire. If you're, are you with me? If you're precious, if you're gold, if you're silver, you can go through some stuff and come out looking better on the other side. And so it says, Simon, Simon, verse 31. Satan has asked for you that he may try you, sift you as wheat. But, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. I want to stop right there. Jesus says, when the devil is pressuring you, he's like, man, I knew you'd go through this. Uh, I just want to say this. Jesus is like, I was fully aware that you were about to go through this. No, here's why he says it. He says, because the devil has been asking me for you. And here's the strange part. God says, and I told him it was okay. Think about that. Jesus sometimes says, I'm praying for you because here's what happened. The devil came to me and asked if he could mess with you. And because I believe in you to such a level, and I I believe your heart, that I told him he could. But I'm going to be praying for you that your faith will not fail in the mystery. He's like, that's my prayer for you. He says, I have two-part prayer. And the first part is this. I'm going to pray that what you said you believed when things were easy, you will say when the devil is putting pressure on you. Come on, you, you got to understand this, that anything you've been going through, Jesus uh, okayed it. Whatever you've been going through, the pressure, the trial, the tribulation, the confusion, condemnation, whatever. He didn't say he did it, but he said, see, here's what happened. The devil came to me and was asking about you, and I was so secure in your commitment to me. I told him yes. And no matter how hopeless things have felt, I've been praying for you. That in the middle of it, your confession, hold fast your confession, come on, Hebrews 10, 23, come on. He says, he says you, that in the midst of it, you'll keep saying, in the place of weakness, what you said in the place of strength. So maybe you're going through some stuff, but actually, you could look at your confession, and you could find out what the deal was. Like, if your confession has continued... I didn't say, I'm not talking hell breaking loose on your head. But in it, you're like, but I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. <sighs> but he's making all things about, come on, he's making grace abound toward me. And I have all sufficiency in all things. Grace is sufficient. And, and I have been, come on, my shield of faith is up. And, and I'm weak and I'm busted. But he said I'm healed and I'm prospered and I'm... Uh, and I'm called to this. And if I'm called to this, come on, he's predestined me to this. He has that call. I mean, you're, you're declaring this stuff in weakness. If you have today, if you've been going through some garbage like that, but you've been saying in weakness what you used to say in strength, I guarantee you the Lord had a conversation with the devil about you. Amen. And here's what happened. Jesus is so secure that you're going to make it through. That he told the devil yes. 
He's so sure you're going to come out of this thing. That Jesus never thought you weren't going to come out. So he looked at the devil and said, yeah, sure. Take your best shot. Because even in the midst of it, I'm going to be, he's going to keep on saying, she's going to keep on saying what she said before you came to town. Come on. And he says this, and here's what the goal is. He says, but I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, come on. That's God's heart for a backslidden group. That's God's heart for a, uh, you've lost the tenderness in your heart for your first love. That's his heart is this, that you'd return. Watch this. When you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. He's saying this. When you come out of this, you will have something that you didn't have before this. He didn't say, Peter, strengthen your brethren today. He would have no record of him ever saying prior to this moment, Peter, come on, encourage these guys. Peter, come on, it's your time. I'm going to give you the pulpit for a few hours. Come on, tell them something. Come on, Peter, lead these guys. I'm going to put you in charge of the other 11 for a few days. I'm going to see how you do. We have no record of him ever saying this because just like Jesus, after he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, it says this, then the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. He had to go through a trial before his ministry begins. That Jesus himself, without the wilderness, didn't have ministry. The only thing Jesus ever did before, you hear me, before the wilderness was circus tricks, turning water to wine. That in no way, in no way has impact on a society going to hell. You got to hear that for a second. Turning water to wine is no impact. That's why it's not considered part of his ministry. You got to understand, when he turned water to wine, that was not considered, that's not part of the ministry time. Meaning, it's not even ministry. I, I just want to challenge you. When Jesus turned water to wine, that's not ministry. He's like, no, no, that's not ministry. That was me being obedient to my mom. I was trying to help her out because she was in a spot, and I was just doing, I mean, it's just something I did on the side. But that, do not, do not call that ministry. He's like, souls are not one. No healing happened. Nobody heard the truth. No one heard gospel. And like, no, that, no it's before, that's all before, before ministry began. He said, ministry began not when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Ministry began... After the wilderness. This is why in the Song of Psalms it says, uh, you know, that you'll come up out of the wilderness leaning on your beloved. That's what the Song of Songs says, that when you come out, you'll, you'll come out and you'll be leaning on the, on the Lord. You'll be like, whew, we, did some, we went through some stuff, but now I have something I didn't have before. And Peter has no history, no history of doing anything great to help his brothers. To, to help the world, really has nothing attributed to him himself except for after this time. And we find Peter on the, on the shore, you know, after Jesus' resurrection and, and, and before his ascension. And, and, and he comes and, and he's denied Jesus three times. He, he got tried. And he failed. He, fa- he, thought, he, he thought he failed. If he would have failed, Jesus would have wanted to talk about it. I'm going to say this. If, if Peter would have failed, Christ would have wanted to talk about it. Hey, Peter, the other night you denied me. Remember, I told you you were going to deny me. Um, remember that? You told me you, were gonna, you said you wouldn't, and then you said you'd die with me, and then, then I told you you'd deny me, and then you deny me three times, and you did it. You did it. We need to work this out because if you're going to be preaching, you know, Holy Spirit's coming, there's going to be some world-changing events, but, it, I, you know, we've got to work this out. Jesus never has that conversation with Peter ever. In fact, Peter is, like, mulling around like he wants to have the conversation. Like, so, Jesus, man, if I can get, like, a second with you, like, we could talk. 
Because, I mean, you know, the other night, I know you don't know this, but I did what you said. You know, I'm just feeling, you know. I'm fe- and Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Yeah. Great. Strengthen your brethren. Feed, feed my sheep. He's like, whoa, what? Peter, come on, man. Don't you love me? Yeah, yeah, I love you. And take care of my people. What? Like, no, remember the other day? He's like, Peter, do you love me? Yes, like, goodness, why do you, uh, yes, I love you. He's like, yeah, you came back. You made it through. I pray your faith didn't fail. If your faith would have failed, you wouldn't be here right now. Judas, his faith failed. He gave, you're here, you're here. He's like, strengthen your brother and feed my sheep. You made it through. Now you have something to talk about. And Peter goes on just just a few days later. Filled with the Holy Spirit among 120 people. What made Peter the sudden head of a movement? 120 people all get filled with the Holy Spirit. They all have something to say. In fact, it tells us that they were all preaching. But only one man's sermon was heard. That 120 people were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were all declaring the, the great things of God. They were all preaching. They were all speaking. But it says, then Peter stood up in the midst of them. And he is the only one that we have recorded sermon about. We don't have any recorded sermons before this. Well, what has happened? Oh, well, no, the Holy Spirit came. Yeah, the Holy Spirit touched all of them. Well, yeah, but see, that's, you know, they're waiting for the promise. They're all, yeah, but the Holy Spirit touched all of them. Why was Peter the sudden head of the, how does he get that position? Well, because a while back, he went through it. He went through what nobody else is attributed to have gone through. You understand, the closest thing to it was Judas, he quits. Peter is the only one that got through. They all scattered, but Peter's the only one that is given a word that says, here's the deal, Satan came and talked to me about you specifically. Peter, the devil didn't come and ask me for Nathaniel because Nathaniel has some issues he needs to work out and Pentecost will help him. Uh, the devil didn't come and talk to me about Levi. The devil didn't come and ask me uh, about John. The devil didn't come and talk to me about anybody else but one man, Peter. You are a threat to his kingdom, but you are a key player in mine. And when he brought up your name specifically, uh, I, above all the other brethren, above all of them, not only just the 12, but the 72 and all those that follow, you are the one that I had a conversation about, and you are the one I knew I could trust in this scenario. And you are the only one of all your brethren that I had absolute surety could make it through what he was going to hit you with. And here's the interesting thing. Interesting thing. Peter didn't understand any of this. He's like, oh man, I, I'm, I'm going to talk to your situation. Uh, man, I am a mess. I told the Lord I would serve him. I I even told him, God, you can have my life. I'm committed. I said all those things, and then look what I did. I I feel totally condemned. I feel lost. I feel backslidden. I feel, and, and, and you're like, but God, I believe your word and the weakness of your heart. God, but I know you said, and you think that you're not making it through. But the truth is, you're the only one that could make it through this thing. And that when you make it through, you will have the ability to strengthen others so they don't even have to go through it. So, so instead of, you know, 
kicking at the goads. Instead of uh, kicking at the pricks, like it says, as as Paul was trying to run from God and do his own thing. Instead of fighting this thing, you know, instead instead of going, God, why have you forsaken me? A prayer you never have to pray. I pray you never have to pray because anything that was done on the cross is finished. Can I, can I give you a piece of advice? Anything that was ever done, anything on the cross is finished. If Christ prayed it, I don't have to pray that no more. If Christ said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a prayer. There's one prayer I never have to pray for the rest of my life. Because that was put on that cross so that I never have to let it utter from my lips ever again. And to do so would be to step outside the truth of God's word, that it was done on my behalf. And so instead of saying, God, why have you forsaken me? God, why am I going through this? You have to realize that you are going through something that was designed for you to succeed at. And and even though the devil is putting pressure and pressure and pressure and pressure, and he's putting confusion on you and condemnation and fear and and, and your past and just repetition of onslaught of attack, if you have even the weakest confession of, but God, you said. I guarantee just a while back, Jesus was talking to the devil and holding in his laughter. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, you can mess with Max. That's right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. Knowing the whole time, if I said okay, that means they're going to make it. And that the devil's pressure is actually going to make you carry something you would not have carried if you wouldn't have gone through it. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Father, thank you that by faith we can count it all joy when we fall into trials, when we fall into tribulation. Father, thank you, Lord, that you're seeing us through, that whatever we've been up against, uh, we're going to make it through, that there is a victory on the other side. There is a uh, anointing on the other side of this thing that we would have never had access to if it weren't for the trial that we're currently going through. And so, Father, I thank you that even though the devil's trying to break us, we cannot be broken. That even though he's trying to take from us, it cannot be taken. Thank you, Father, that no matter what the pressure is, we will come out free. Thank you, Father, that even in a seemingly defeat, we are victorious and we are making it through. And that, Lord, that we are, by your grace, going to see this through. Thank you, Lord, for seeing us in the light that you see us. Come on, you might just want to tell God thanks for, for letting you go through something. Father, thank you that you would trust me. That maybe what I'm going through, you couldn't trust the person next to me, but you trusted me to go through this. And I declare and agree with your word. I will carry something at the end of this thing that I would not have ever had if I wouldn't have gone through. So God, I praise you. I do count it joy. I do count it joy. I do count it. All kinds of trials, I count it joy right now that we will see it through. Thank you, mighty God in heaven. We praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout of praise.